I'll take it. She didn't say I look like Giselle. She said the base shade of my lips was a lot like Giselle. Hello and welcome to Beauty Island, the beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I'm your host, beauty journalist Brittany Stewart, and each episode I sit down with a guest to ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them that they take to a desert island, aka beauty island, that I am sending them off to. Maybe it's the product that reminds them of their mum, the beauty product that define their teens, or the perfume that instantly sparks a memory of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career, and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. Today, my guest is former Elle Australia Beauty and Lifestyle Director, Amy Starr. As well as having one of the best names in the business, she worked for almost 15 years across just two titles, Shop Till You Drop and Elle. And now she's embarking on a new chapter after Elle as Associate Editor of Jones, David Jones Magazine. We talk about going from men's surf magazines to a career in beauty, going on glamorous press trips and what actually happens, which is not having your luggage turn up and having to spend the entire few days in your plain outfit, why doing your brows is the single most anti-aging thing you can do in your beauty routine and the skin-saving serum she's sworn by for over a decade. If you love Beauty Island, please subscribe, rate and review. And now over to Amy. Enjoy. Amy, welcome to Beauty Island. We're in your hotel room in Melbourne. You're on a work trip down here, so it's so nice to be able to sit down and chat with you. Were you always interested in beauty from a young age? I think I probably didn't realise it for a long time, but the signs were always there. My um, my mum and my grandmother are both huge beauty aficionados. They're very passionate about their beauty products. So loved trying creams and, you know, I was surrounded by that sort of thing. My mum was also a massage therapist as I um, grew up. So I was around beauty therapy and um, she would take me for facials and things like that when I was really young. So I think I didn't really think about it professionally um, for most of my education. I didn't really think about going into beauty, but but looking back, I guess, hindsight, it was always where I was going. Speaking of, of growing up around beauty, the first product on your list is one you grew up watching your mum use or, or people around you, which are the Clarence Beauty Flash Balm and the 1000 hour lash tint. Can you tell me about those? Yes, uh, probably very few people know about me that I have my secret party trick and that is I'm a really good lash tinter because my mum taught me to do hers when I was about seven and I've been using 1000 hour um, to tint lashes, tint my mum's lashes exclusively mostly because uh, she thinks no one does a good lash tint with a lash line inbuilt um, as much as I do and, and it's a well-honed skill. I think that must be, I'm 37, so that's 30 years really of lash tinting. Um, I don't think a lot of beauty therapists can claim that. Definitely not. <laughs> so, you know, I was surrounded by that sort of thing. And then I guess Clarins Beauty Flash. Clarins is probably the first brand I was exposed to. I, as, a, as a kid, uh, go and have treatments with a Clarins 
beauty therapist and I always really loved the products and mum was a big fan of Beauty Flash Balm and, and it's probably the one product that has always been in my beauty bag from, you know, when I first had a beauty bag to still in there now. You know, it's essentially a primer before there was such a thing. It's a, it's a product that you can use underneath, on top. You know, it just gives you that great kind of glowy look. So I like the simplicity of it. Growing up in terms of your childhood, did were you born in Sydney, New South Wales? Where did you grow up? I was not. I am from about two and a half hours north of Sydney in a little town called Nelson Bay in Port Stephens. Grew up on the beach, as you can tell from looking at me with my freckles. Those are inbuilt. No matter what I try and do from a beauty perspective, I've changed my hair colour lots of times and people still always think that I must love the beach. I think I've just that's just my aesthetic, beachy. No matter what I do, it must be in my DNA. I don't think anything makes you feel as great as water. I think it's got a great cleansing quality. And I've, I've spent a lot of international trips traveling around looking for bodies of water, hot springs. I just been to Italy last year with my mum and it was not the first time we've traipsed around the Italian countryside looking for a new hot spring that we hadn't tried. Um, usually one that doesn't require you to pay an entry fee, but requires you to schlep in and take your clothes off <laughs> and jump into this um, steaming a hot mud puddle so yes I'm a big believer in in water I think that's from a childhood spent at the beach but I don't live near the beach I'm a city girl I'm in the inner west of Sydney and I'm happy about that I like being surrounded by people and activity and and things like that because I think I associate beach with solo time I'm not a big fan of Sydney beaches I guess because there's too many people the beaches that I grew up in had no one on them. So You're not fighting for a space on the sand. <laughs> I do not like that. I'm not jostling with anyone to get space for my towel. So even if I do go to the beach now, I go really early in the morning because there's no one there and I don't like to be out in the sun in the middle part of the day. So so you'll definitely be under the shade on Beauty Island when you're, when you're there. <laughs> under an umbrella. I would have packed my own. My, my mum and I take sunbrellas with us, which are just you know, head size. So even if you go into the water, we carry our little parasol with us. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I am a sun safe Sally. Don't you worry about that. Love it. <laughs> you have obviously had an incredible career so far already. How did you get your break into the media or beauty media industry? Well, I actually was working at a bunch of um, men's surfing magazines because I must have just looked like I fit the part, um, which I stumbled into by accident, but loved it really that I created print titles that people read and you know I thought that was so exciting and then I just happened to meet um, Justine Cullen by chance she was the beauty director at Shop Till You Drop magazine at the time and uh, I think we'd had a couple of emails for some reason administrative reasons not not real reasons uh, I, can't, I can't even remember now and and then when she needed a beauty editor she just got in touch with me and asked if I would be interested and I didn't even know what a beauty editor was so yeah I think it was just destiny because it was not something that I went out to seek. And how far into your career or how old were you at this point? Only a couple of years in really. I'd been working at a small publishing company on the men's surfing magazines and really didn't see life beyond those. I hadn't really, I was having such a great time but it was working with a team of all men so to go from that to an industry that was dominated by women was a challenge definitely and I found it really disorientating at the beginning but clearly settled in and then never left. And I think it is really interesting because from that point the bulk of your career was spent at just two titles really shop till you drop and Elle magazine which thinking of careers now is would be very rare. What did you love so much about those two titles? 
Oh, God. What didn't I love? Yeah, I stayed there for a really long time because I still felt challenged. I mean, I did a couple of different roles, shop, and I mean, that was just, I mean, that title was famous for everyone that worked there that they loved it. It was really hard work, but so creative and so rewarding. And, you know, I don't think you would meet a more passionate reader than the readers of Shop to Drop in those years. But also part of the reason I stayed in those two titles for such a long time is that I was working for the same person and I'm still working for them now. So clearly she (laughs) had a significant impact on me and, and we can't be separated. So we're like 14 years down, I think now at the moment and still together. Amazing. In terms of you not knowing when you first started what a beauty editor does, can you tell us <laughs> the reality of what the role of beauty editor is actually like and beauty and lifestyle director, which is what you were at L? Look, the role of beauty editor is often misconstrued. I think people look at it and think it's just someone that traipses around and gets facials and um you know, tries Botox, but that is not it at all. You know, I have been surrounded by women that are beauty editors for the bulk of my career. And I don't think you would meet a like smarter, more genuine, passionate, hardworking group of people. You know, we're essentially writers and researchers and we're interested in things and we ask questions and uh, we want to engage with people and then try and deliver that back to a consumer who wants a curated version of what's going on. You know, it's like culture touch points you know that's that's what we're trying to do deliver something interesting and exciting and fun and funny hopefully some of what I've written over my career is funny I was I think I was always trying to be funny so (laughs) hopefully that came across so yeah I think a a beauty editor uh, more than anything for me was always just a writer I see myself as a writer I tell people I'm a writer I, I don't often say or even during those years I didn't often say I'm a beauty editor, you know, because I I could write about anything. I just um, am writing about beauty right now. And the thing with beauty is that you obviously, if you're an entertainment writer, you're meeting a lot of celebrities. But I think the next kind of category, beauty, you're always meeting celebrities or ambassadors and faces and and things. Is there anyone that you interviewed that really stands out for good or bad reasons? (laughs) You were trying to get some tea. No, I mean, my least favourite interview subjects are just people who don't say anything, you know, I mean, and that is not really about their personality, you know, sometimes interview subjects can be guarded. I'm sure you know that in your, even what you do, and that makes a a dull interview. Uh, the the most, I mean, the ones that stand out to me. One of my favourite interview subjects is Rosemary Swift, who um, has her own brand RMS. She's just clever and bold and fearless, and you know, they're all things that I aspire to be. I think she's ahead of her time with her philosophies about natural and. Um, the ingredients that we need to look out for. She's She's been telling us all this for ages and, and you know, I think now the industry is starting to catch on and consumers are, are starting to understand the full scale of it. And So she was a fabulous interview. I've always loved um, interviewing her. Well, speaking, you do, speaking of her, you do have an RMS product on your list of eight products, which is the RMS Lip Shine in Moment. Can you tell me about what's so special about this one, why you love it? Well, often, you know, it's it's a lot because I loved her. I love her. Um, and I love a lot of RMS products. This one in particular is one of my favourites for the lips. This is the shade that she created for Giselle and um, she put it on me when we met once and she told me it was because the base lip colour of my lips was the same as Giselle's. So that's probably just about the compliment that I've been dining off ever since. (laughs) I'll take it. She didn't say I look like Giselle. She said 
the base shade of my lips was a lot like Giselle. It's Which is basically saying the same thing. <laughs> it's a like a really caramelly colour. It's one of those colours that looks really nothing in a pot and, and it doesn't excite you to uh, grab it. I have a lot of shades in my beauty bag that I got just because the colour makes me happy looking at it in the pot and then you actually never use it. But this is one of those workhorse colours that I think looks so beautiful and like a, a perfect nude on but is doesn't look anything like it's going to look on your lips when you have the base lip shade of Giselle. So you, you are ahead <laughs> above the rest of us to start with. Over your time in magazines, we've obviously seen a lot of digital disruption. And I think, I mean, you were on the launch team for helplaunchl.com.au. Mm-hmm. What was it like kind of, if, if you're coming in now, digital is kind of a given, it's digital first. Mm-hmm. But what was it like kind of watching that transition where priorities went from kind of print to digital? I always just perceived digital as a great opportunity to present my content in a different way and, and um, you know, if mistakes were made in the, the speed with which print brands kind of took on digital, it was that they, they were threatened by it. You know, I, I always perceived it as an opportunity to try something. On, on L we used to create little stop motion GIFs and things like that and, and I tried to lean into what the digital opportunity afforded you, not just to roll out your same content. And I think that was the beauty of the timing that we launched L because we saw all that, we knew all that. So with L.com.au we tried to really fully embrace it and do exciting different things, you know, like I played around with um, shoppable videos and, and things like that. So, yeah, we just tried to take the opportunities that were there. And th- that's the benefit of not um, launching until that time. And, and we launched digital at, at the same time as the magazine. And um, so you could think holistically, whereas uh, some brands weren't able to do that because they had a print brand that they were trying to then fit into the digital model. With your work as a beauty editor, I imagine that there, or going through your Instagram, they looked like there was a kind of a lot of travel involved to <laughs> Europe and New York and things like that. Have you learned any great travel hacks along the way in terms of, I know that a lot of time for beauty press trips, you're actually going quite far away for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's about how you kind of bounce back from that travel and also get the most of visiting the place or whether it's kind of the beauty tricks, yeah. travel hacks. What, what are some of the ones that you've learned along the way? I don't know if I've done any successfully. Sometimes I go on trips like that where I spend more time getting there than I spend there so you've just got to embrace the time zone that you're in Uh, forget about where you've been and just try and stay awake as long as you possibly can I think cream products help I don't have any beauty product any makeup products that are powder in my makeup bag at all that's just my general philosophy on life I think I have one hourglass highlighting palette that's powder but it's a very delicate powder so it's not really powder Um, the rest of my products are all cream so um, you can do them you can use them on the go you can use them even when your skin's parched and dry and and busted from a lot of travel I think that's my main thing I don't I actually don't know when I look back and think about the trips that I've done and then when I've been on the ground I had one trip that it took me you know 40 two hours to get there and when I got there my luggage was not there either so I spent a few days on a trip in the outfit from the airplane that I'd worn I washed it out of course and had to dry it with a hairdryer in the hotel which everyone knows is terrible Um, but yeah spent the whole trip in that one little tracksuit it was an outfit that you liked (laughs) no it was not (laughs) it was my you know it was my travel outfit which is essentially you know like a comfy pair of drop crotch pants and a big old men's t-shirt so it was not my finest hour I'm glad I didn't have to meet any supermodels or celebrities on that trip but um yeah you just got to go with the flow I'm I'm pretty much like go with the flow kind of girl 
I think that's interesting as well because like you said the idea of beauty editor is 24 7 glamour mm-hmm. not always <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a compliment um... I, I meant sorry I meant <laughs> the 40-hour flight and not having your luggage exactly yeah. okay cool you weren't looking no, at me sorry. and seeing what makeup I had on and... no not at all <laughs> um you're right it is not 24-hour glamour at all um I mean like I said I'm a I'm a writer I'm not a makeup artist I get to interview amazing creative talented genius um people for a living and they're the experts so I never profess to be an expert I I know what I know because I have the opportunity to meet these people and interview them so yeah it's definitely not all glamorous Often it's no luggage and (laughs) flying somewhere for six hours to have a five-minute interview with some celebrity and then um, getting on the plane the next morning and coming home. And I imagine part of the travel also is for particularly working at uh, at a magazine like Elle is for for shoots as well, going to locations. I wondered if you could share any kind of behind-the-scene tricks that you are used on shoots or that you see on shoots. Because I just know that I imagine because... With, mag- um, with magazines, you're working so f- so far ahead that often you might be in a freezing cold place and having to shoot like bikinis or something. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what happens. You're often shooting bikinis in the middle of um, winter, which is quite the um, challenge, but it's not my challenge. It's the model's challenge. I just get to stand by the screen saying, no, no, less cold looking, things like that. So uh, I don't know how many tricks I can glean from that sort of stuff. Um, I think definitely like the, you know, combining like an illuminizer with your body cream um, as opposed to just putting an illuminizer straight on your skin um, but blending it in with your body cream and then slathering it all over is a neat little trick that you can use for going out at night that works really well and that's something that we use on set all the time, make the collarbones pop, that kind of thing. The third product on your list is your Holy Grail product, which is the Estee Lauder ANR Serum. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this has been a favourite for a while of yours. Yes. So tell me. You know that from my Instagram, do you? I have done my research. <laughs> Very good. I'm impressed. Yes. I mean, I am someone that's all about serums. Serums are life, as far as I'm concerned, of all the beauty products that, of all the skincare formulas that I use, definitely serum is something that I've always um had as part of my regimen but as is the case when you do this job sometimes you have treatments uh, that don't agree with you so there have been times when I've had terrible reactions to some seemingly innocuous no downtime peel for example <laughs> you promise no downtime and my skin totally freaked out and I had to go to work still with the freak out freaked out skin and I met the publicist for Estee Lauder this was really early on in my career and you know I explained to her I couldn't put anything on my skin even to put water on it was like really really painful water was painful and she said you need to try this A&R she sent it over immediately and it was literally the only thing I could put on my skin for about a week including water without it hurting and it just I don't know, it just repaired the skin um, incredibly well and was really soothing and calming. And basically, I have not looked back since then. And it's just one of those things that just I just have on on me at all times that I use it. I actually use it morning and night, even though they recommend you only use it in the in the night. This year started an exciting new chapter of your career, mm-hmm. uh, still with magazines, partly with magazines. Uh, you're working with David Jones, branded magazine Jones, mm-hmm. and doing freelance consulting, mm-hmm. lots of other exciting things. But Given that we spoke about how long you spent there, L, how how has it been navigating this new chapter? Have you have you ever been one of those people that kind of your career or you felt like who you were was defined by the title that you worked for? 
Oh, I mean, no one wants to admit that, do they? That they're defined by their work. But I'm sure to some degree that, you know, I've, I've always worked really hard. I like to think I've worked really hard and, and define myself by having a really strong work ethic. So work has always been really important to me. Um, I have a child now, so things, priorities have to uh, shift um, when you have to make room for a whole other person. And so I like to think that since I became a mother, defining myself by my work has faded a little bit. But, you know, I, I'm still really proud of things that I do for professionally and I always work really hard to make it as great as it can be. So, yeah, I don't like to think I'm defined by work, but I probably am. So I'm thrilled to be working with David Jones and to get to work with such an iconic retailer. They've, they've been around for 180 years and and um, to try and create something that I'm proud of and that um, can make them proud is is exciting and, you know, not, not one single Australian doesn't know David Jones. So um, that's a pretty nice position to be in. And I think it's really interesting that some of the, the publications and things that I love reading are kind of this not necessarily branded content but really interesting content being put out by brands, which mm. I think, we're obviously seeing a lot more of in the last few years. The third, I've lost count. Maybe this is the fourth <laughs> product on your list. You have to remind me because I can't remember what my my reason I gave you. Which is the product that gives you a confidence boost or your signature look, which is the Benefit Goof Proof Eyebrow Pencil. Yes. I think that every single person should think about their brows more carefully. I think it's the single most anti-aging thing you can do for your <laughs> your beauty routine. I don't think there's a skincare product that exists that can take years off um, as brows do. So my philosophy in life generally uh, as I get older is the, the older I get, the thicker my brows are getting. That's what I'm determined to do because I think that just makes um, such an instant difference. So the Benefit uh, pencil is the one that I um, use on my own brows every day. So what is it about this particular one that you like so much? Look, I have very little brow, which is why I'm so um, passionate about um, keeping them. So um, I love that this one is very, very narrow. So it, you can use it to create literally like little brow, pretend brow strokes, not lines, just little feathered um, strokes. And I think it looks really natural because natural brows are a, a dying art. I think so um, it does take some skill but I like to brush them up fill them in um, and keep them as as handsome as possible that's what I'm going for with my brows that's what I think is really uh, lifts the face up so I'm I'm heading toward 40 um, so that's my aim as I get toward 40 and beyond is to retain what little brow I've always had and then do you set them with a gel or anything? What, what I do, yeah. I use Gimme Brow, which is the which sets them, but also is, is a little bit of colour as well because I can use it. My brows tend to throw a little blonde. So, yeah, that this is the one product probably that, you know, I would use every day no matter what I'm doing. I've got to fill in my brows or I feel like I look like a 15-year-old boy. That's honestly in my head what I think about when I see myself <laughs> without brows compared to brows. You mentioned the trip you took to Italy earlier on last year. I loved your, sorry to quote your Instagram back to you again, your Instagram caption, which was when life hands you lemons, make lemon gelato, which mm-hmm. I loved. And so you went to Italy with, I think it was your mum and your son for a good few weeks. It looked just idyllic. Had such FOMO looking at all those pictures. <laughs> well, look, the old Instagram edit will do that to you. It it was lovely. I wouldn't say it was idyllic, but we had a great adventure. The idea was for us to have a bit of a circuit breaker of sorts and just really try and have an adventure as opposed to a holiday. You know, anyone can go to a 
Fijian uh, poolside, but we really wanted to just do something different and um, and just get in a higher car and drive wherever the wind took us, which you don't often get to do when you have a four-year-old. So um, he was amazing that he stuck with us through all, all of our journeys to various Terme, the hot springs, which is what we did all over Tuscany. And, and uh, it's not the first time that mum and I have gotten in a car and just found these hot springs on a map and made our way to there. It sounds amazing. And it's very good. Being in Italy, are you a foodie as well? Do you love I food am as much of a foodie as a vegetarian can be. I've been a vegetarian for 25 years or something. So, I mean, I do like Italian food. I love pasta and pizza. I really love coffee and I clearly like gelato. So, I feel for some reason a weird synergy with Italy it's where I um, repeatedly go back and holiday I think that was my eighth trip to Italy and people are like don't you want to go somewhere else in Europe and I'm like no I love the people and the language and the food and so we ate some great food but most of it was like pizza and gelato (laughs) have you picked up much of the language going there so often only a little my Enough. son's picked up my son has picked up a lot his his accent is very good he can introduce himself in italian beautifully like like a native speaker <laughs> it seems like he is also reaping the benefits of you working in beauty because he goes to a lot of things with you yes he does he he does like beauty a lot actually he always wants to go into my makeup bag he was putting on blush the other day I guess because he sees me do it I draw the line at eyelash curling I won't let him do that so of course that's the one thing he really wants to do Um, use the Shu Umara eyelash curler on his own beautiful little baby lashes but yes he does I, I mean as a working mother I'm already absent from my child a lot so I guess taking him to overnight events when I wherever I possibly can when it won't interfere interfere with the job that I have to fulfill then I do take the opportunity to take him so he's very fancy he expects things you know he knows what room service is which I don't know if I should be proud or not (laughs) but he knows how to you know make a call from the hotel room and things like that the next product on your list is your the perfume that holds a special memory for you which is well, you tell me what it is and, and why you picked it. I know there's so holds. many. This one's really hard for me. Um, but I chose Chanel Allure mostly because it was the first fragrance that I sort of dabbled in fragrance as a memory experience. You know, I um, it's, a, it's a perfume that a really good friend of mine in the UK that she wears. When I met her, um, she was a glamorous flight attendant you know so she had beautiful she always had beautiful makeup and she taught me a lot about loving beauty and makeup I was a little bit younger than her but this was the fragrance that um, she wore and when I came home to Australia after living in the UK and meeting her I bought it because it reminded me of her so I guess this is the that's the one fragrance that sort of started off for me before that I'd exclusively worn the body shop vanilla oil that was my signature for a long time. But yeah, just playing with fragrance and how it reminded me of her and how fragrance can give you such an emotive reaction. That was the first one for me. I also have always worn Emporio Armani She, which is the one in the gold tin. Um, I've worn that for an eternity. And if you smell that on me, it's usually because I need comfort or support or I'm feeling fragile that day or I'm about to do something hard or, you know, it's the fragrance that I turn to to give me a sense of calm and comfort. I love Lalabo Neroli 36, which is when I'm feeling a little bit more playful and, and things like that. So I adore Chanel Allure, but I wear a lot of other fragrances for various reasons. But it was the first one that kind of made me think that, you know, fragrance was emotional. 
I love that as well because I feel like we hear a lot about finding your signature scent, but I'm exactly the same as you. I have mm. different moods or I need to, if I need to draw on something, that's how I select my fragrance. So I love that. Yes. As you said, working in magazines, particularly women's magazines, the workforce is likely to be dominated by women. And one of the things I love, or one of the things that I've, I've found just from doing Beauty Island is one, how connected the industry is. Everyone's worked with someone mm. who's worked with someone else. And also supportive in terms of having, everyone seems to have a mentor. Like I spoke to Lisa Patulny, who spoke about you extensively and, and how you've... Great, um, can't wait to hear it. <laughs> how you've um, been so supportive for her. Mm-hmm. Is there someone who has been that figure for you, who's been a real mentor in your career? Look, I mean, it probably would come as no surprise that given that she's the only one that I've really worked for, Justine Cullen has been a great mentor to me. I mean, she's a, an, a magazine editor-in-chief, but her background has always been in beauty. So even to work under an editor-in-chief that has a beauty background that feels passionately about beauty and really is brave enough to push an angle with with beauty content, which I think doesn't happen often enough, you know, was of great joy for me for all of my career and that's why we're probably still together. I mean, I've had other great colleagues that I've worked with, Jana Johnson O'Toole, who I worked with at Elle. She moved to Australia from the States where she worked on Elle US and uh, we had a fantastic synergy working together and she taught me great things about poise and professionalism and, you know, she's just so chic. So she's fabulous from that perspective because I always felt like the bowl of spaghetti next to her, you know, like just a little bit crazy. Uh, when she's got everything together, she's very sophisticated. And so I learned sort of to pull, rein things in with her. Um, so she was of, of great assistance to me at a time when I already had a career and I'd already done a job for a long time. So it was nice to be able to learn things from people even deep into your career when you think you know it all. So <laughs> she was great. Alexis Teasdale, we spent our careers together. Our friendship is of no surprise to anyone because we ram it down everyone's throat. We get matching outfits. We have bobbleheads of each other, uh, things like that. But um, she's obviously a dear friend. But you know, she has also been of great creative inspiration to me uh, for the entire time we've been friends. I, you know, I think people confuse us all the time. They think that I'm, I can throw great parties and I'm very creative and things like that. But I've mostly just leveraged uh, her skill set to um, make my parties and all of my things look great. So um, she's effervescent, which is, I think, a fantastic trait to have in life and one that I aspire to. So she is a form of mentor to me as well. Well, she is actually name-checked on my next question about the friendships that the that your career has brought you as well. Yeah. So I think you also have your sons are like a similar age. There's a great picture of you you both with pregnant bellies, which is and I think I think that's really nice to see because and it's being dispelled a lot on this on this podcast. But there's this idea from the Devil Wears Prada days that fashion and, and beauty is bitchy, and in Australia it seems at least it's it's definitely not that way in the in the beauty space yeah I, th- I think it's definitely from what I hear it's unique to Australia as well that we all adore each other so much and we all support each other so much I always get told by international experts and, and talent that no one is friendlier than an Australian beauty editor so I'm happy about that I like that to be the industry that I'm from and the reputation that I have I think you know here in this market uh, for a lot of years it was a very small industry and so we became really good friends because we spent so much time together we you know traveled internationally together traveled 
locally together and you spent more meals with other beauty editors than you did with your partner and your family. So um, you can't help but build strong relationships. When you're standing around an event making small talk, you may as well be talking about your life story and getting advice from other smart capable successful women so yeah I mean the the network of friends that I had that are either still beauty editors or former beauty editors is probably what's kept me doing it for so long as well you know because they're all so wonderful and clever and seemed so nice and fabulous so why wouldn't you stay around them and make them your colleagues (laughs) do you love what you do for a living yes I'm clearly doing it after a very long time I'm doing the same thing so of course I um I do. I adore it. I keep waiting for someone to realize, you know, you're unqualified. You should, <laughs> you're having way too much fun. Um, go off and do something boring like you should have done. I honestly, when I started in magazines, I couldn't believe that someone would pay me to do that job that I would willingly do for nothing. So I, I think I just thought I'd ride that wave until the penny dropped. And they realised they didn't have to give me a salary and I'm still here. So <laughs> don't tell my current going. employer yeah. that they don't have Money to Money is nice me. sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Money gives me the capacity to feed my child. So uh, I do still need it. But um, yeah, that was, that was really what I thought. I, I was actually in between finishing my undergraduate degree and uh, starting my postgraduate when I stumbled into magazines. And I thought, look, I'm having so much fun. I'm just going to do this until they realise that I've got no idea what I'm doing and um, tell me to go and then I'll go back to school and I was going to become a psychologist. So, yeah, and I'm still waiting for someone to realise. Not a bad backup plan though, should it ever come, which I'm sure it won't. You never know. I mean, I think essentially some of what I do anyway draws on what I studied in an undergraduate degree about psychology. You know, it's about social people, all those things, you know, I I think I still, I like to think I still use my degree (laughs) somehow. The sixth product on your list is the product you always repurchase, which is the, forgive my pronunciation, I've never actually said it out loud, the Herbario, Herbario cleansing oil and powder. And I've heard a few beauty editors try or speak about Herbario. So Mm. I'm I'm really curious. Probably because I forced it down their throats because (laughs) I talk so passionately about it to all of them that they're all intrigued and had to go and try the treatment. So Herbario is actually a Melbourne based brand. They've been just down there on Chapel Street. I'll be there later for 30 years run by a husband and wife team who I just um, happened to hear last year at some point. uh, Someone had said to me, have you tried that? They weren't a beauty editor. And so next time I came to Melbourne, I um, I said, I called them and I said, can I come and try it? And they said, sure. And I just found the, the treatment and the products that they used basically life-changing. So um, <laughs> I've been using them ever since. They're, uh, it's created by Valley from Herbario and her husband Vito, who's a herbalist. And um, they mix up their own products. They've, they've formulated their own products and Valley does treatments upstairs and yeah, I just met her and had a treatment and, and just fell in love with her and her philosophies and have been using and talking about them to other beauty editors ever since. And is the cleansing oil and powder, is that a, a, an at-home product or is that part of the treatment? No, it's an at-home product. Uh, so basically, Valley gave me a treatment and I looked like I had a completely different face. I felt like it really took years off. It slimmed down my face, gave me cheekbones that I didn't know I had. And I thought that the um, result was so phenomenal. Um, I wanted to be able to retain them at, at home. She uses um, quite an unusual technique of massage and kneading and 
it's not necessarily all blissfully zen experience. Um, very unique, sometimes uncomfortable, um, but very, very effective. So I um, asked her how I could maintain that face at home in Sydney when I couldn't get to see her. And um, she gave me a little uh, lesson, particularly in how to use the cleansing oil and powder and use a, um, a massage technique morning and night, which is basically what I've been doing ever since about lymphatic drainage and depuffing, And, um, I just think it makes a phenomenal amount of difference. I've seen a few places. I think there's one, I think it's kind of New York and London where this idea of working out your face, like face gym, which sounds kind of like what you're talking about there as an idea. Yes. I have also been to face gym in London because I love to try anything like that. I, I think I, what I particularly resonate in beauty is those manual things. I like the idea that I can be in charge of doing something to my face that is going to make a difference as opposed to using devices. And I know there are great devices that um, do something. I, I just personally like the idea of getting my hands in there. And, and so face gym, I had after a flight to London. So you get that, I get that puffiness after a long haul flight and very unusual in the middle of the shop floor, basically. And you're flipped back on like a barber shop chair and they get these exercise balls out and rub it all over your face and um, pummel in. It's uh, unusual, but also incredible. I had a bruised face afterwards, but um, my skin looked and felt really great. And (laughs) I did not look like I'd been on a 24-hour flight. Valley's technique um, has some similarities. She also uses a lot of um, herbs and tinctures that she's mixing up. And she just knows weird things about you from your face, which I find fascinating. So, um, there are some similarities and um, face gym is, is amazing. It's a really cool idea. So are you the kind of person that is always keen to try those new kind of strange sounding treatments or are you are you kind of cautious as well about what you will try? I love to try the manual things. I don't dabble so much in uh, more advanced <laughs> services. I think I'm fundamentally a hippie at heart. So I tend to be excited about weird, wonderful, natural, manual, new techniques and treatments. Um, so yeah, my career, I've really, I've, I've tried to try things where I need to, but um, I'm not adventurous when it comes to more invasive procedures. I don't, I don't do those. So I, that's why I get excited about the manual and the natural and the weirdly wonderful things the final product on your list is the product that you trust with your life and I think this really needs an award for the amount of times it's come up on this podcast so far it's brilliant which is the Lanolips 101 ointment why do you love it so much oh my god let me count the ways it's probably the product that I've used for the most the most number of uses are from heel cracks very glamorous to nipple cracks also very glamorous Um, but anyone that has had a newborn and is trying to breastfeed them will appreciate I just think it's an amazing clever wonderful delightful product that just does what it says it's going to do and just is a incredible great salve that kind of fixes all manner of things I I mean I um, like I said my mum was a massage therapist when I was a kid so I have a long history with lanolin she used to make her own foot balm that was basically just lanolin and peppermint oil and that's what she used to treat her clients on the feet so it's it's an ingredient that I've always used anyway so I just think this is a beautifully refined slightly more sophisticated version of it. We've spoken about the people that have shaped your career is there someone in your life that has you feel has really kind of shaped you into who you are personally? That is a big question. I don't think about myself separated from professional and personal, I guess. I mean, yeah, like my my mom and my nan, they've both really 
defined, created who I am. My my mom especially, she's my best friend. Aside from Alexis, we we do a lot of things together. We think about things a lot the same. So we're both a little bit hippie, but we love our beauty products, things like that. Uh, We have great adventures together. Um, So she's been pretty wonderful. Alexis too definitely has to me define who I am. And I think when you have the support of a great, unwavering friend like that it just gives you a level of self-confidence um that I'd be lost without you know you have someone that really always has your back and and tries to build you up and and things like that so um I've leaned on her many times I'm finding it very hard now that she's moved to Adelaide when I used to just meet her in the stairwell of 54 Park Street if we were having some sort of meltdown or emergency we used to hide in the stairwell and meet each other between our floors we were two floors apart for many many years and we'd meet in the floor in between have you watched the bold type yet I have so that was your fashion closet the was, stairwell. it really was it really was I, I that the show is almost like a little bit too close to home in some ways I mean it's very glamorized still life is not like that in magazines but some little moments and I'm like oh my god was there a camera in our, <laughs> in our building? Is that how they got this material? How cringy. She's been absolutely integral really to the, to the woman that I am. Have you got any tips for long distance friendships? Obviously because you are so close. Can you tell me if you know any? I haven't found the secret yet. <laughs> uh, I'd love to know. I haven't even, I'm, I'm planning a visit there now and she's already been to, back to visit. Um, Sydney but look she's famously a fantastic friend I, I won't be the only person probably that will tell you what a great supportive incredible kind thoughtful friend she is so she's really good at it the key is for me just trying to live up to that standard and be as kind and thoughtful and generous as she is so yeah I'm going to take her lead on being a good long distance friend I'm sure she's got it sorted and I'll just have to bundle along and try and copy what she does when it comes to your personal beauty collection, are you a minimalist or a maximalist? Obviously, you get, as a beauty editor, you get sent a lot of products. Do you kind of, not maybe hoard's not the right word, do you enjoy kind of <laughs> keeping them and collecting them or do you, are you very kind of I think refined? by like probably regular person standard, I'm a maximalist, but by beauty editor standards, I'm a minimalist. I think I hoard some things because, like I said, they spark joy. Those There's just those colours in your life that you just... For some reason, that lip color is just the one that fills you with happiness. So I hoard those, sadly. I hoard color things. I don't think I hoard other things, mostly um, color cosmetics. I hoard because I think, oh, it makes me happy, shiny, you know. But otherwise, I am a minimalist. I um, I have a very neat collection of MVPs and I don't deviate from them too much. I try and try a lot of things in the, in the beauty cupboard as much as as much as you can on the floor in the beauty cupboard with stuff all around you, things like that, and try not to take too much of it home unless you really think you need to try something consistently to have a good run at it. From the eight products you've picked and talked about today, if you had to select just one to take with you to Beauty Island, and obviously you'll have your umbrella, you'll have your sunscreen, you've got your basic survival kit, but this is the product that will you'll love to use or will keep you company, remind you of things, which one would you pick? Oh, God. I think from a practical standpoint, I'd have to take Estee Lauder Advanced Night Repair because it just does fix everything. And it's nostalgic for me. I've used it for a long time. So, and it's more about care. You know, it's not only about aesthetics as well. So I think on the island, I'd care about my skin being in tip top shape. So that'd be my pick. Wonderful. And what are you, if you had to pick what one one goal or one thing that you really hope 2019 brings you what would it be personal professional anything 
says you can send it out to the universe oh now. my gosh oh god I already feel like it's been so challenging already in a short space of time I just uh, I mean I just hope to continue to be proud of the work that I do you know being in a creative creative job that's really the best thing that you can hope for to output something that um you're proud of and yeah I think that's my my big hope this year I've got a lot of things to do I've got um, many stories and shoots and and things that I'll be doing so it's going to be a a big one and at the same time it's the last year that my son is going to be home so I'm trying to enjoy the last few months of having time with him before he goes off to school so yeah I mean my hope every year is trying to establish some balance between a work and a home life so yeah that's going to be my I'm putting that out to the universe balance in work and home. Amy thank you so much for sharing your products and some really truly great tips and 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 new things to inspire everyone so thank you so much. You're welcome thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beauty Island. If you like the sound of any products that Amy mentioned in this episode, you can find all the details in the show notes. And I have a favour to ask. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe if you haven't and rate and leave a written review in Apple Podcasts. Those things really help other beauty lovers find us and it would make my day. And if you fancy chatting more beauty, you can find me on Instagram at Beauty Island Podcast. Thank you, and until next time, bye-bye.